0: Hey everyone, before we get started, I wanna tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you wanna host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. So check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join.
1: Raise a tackle. Watch out. Burst of speed. Look at this freshman. Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton Podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May. And if you're joining us for the first time, the College to Kenton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to end season college and NFL breakdowns to NFL draft coverage, all the way to discussions as to who should be in the pro football hall of fame we always talk about some fantasy football because this is a road of his radio podcast but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and nfl analysis too and if you feel like there's been something missing in your life in the past week or so something like that uh and you're a football fan it's probably because this time of year this is right when we start talking about and freaking out about uh the NFL combine. We normally it was supposed to actually be this this, this last week, the NFL combine, the, the underwear olympics, people running way faster than we thought, jumping way higher than we thought, and vice versa. And so we we normally have all this hype about all these players that we just realized uh can, you know, leap 40 50 feet through the ceiling. But um if you're missing that, we're here to talk about the upcoming pro days. For some of the 2021 NFL draft rookies and talk about what, you know, what it really means if they test in a certain way for wide receivers, for running backs, for tight ends, for quarterbacks, what do these numbers really mean? Because this year, more than ever, we're probably going to see some outlandish numbers out of these pro days. Uh, because we don't have a, a more standardized combine, and if you have looked at the numbers over the years, pro day times are a little bit better, and pro day measurements are a little bit better in many cases than what players can do at the NFL combine. So what do we do with that? How do we build that into our prospect analysis process, and how do we really adjust, or if we, or, or should we even adjust when looking at these pro day times we're going to see? I mean, we've already seen a couple players and put up some numbers that were a little bit surprising, uh, but uh, we'll talk about those guys and and some upcoming names uh that can definitely improve their nfl draft stock in the coming weeks since these pro days are really kicking off uh just really a week from now or less in in many cases so to help me dive into this topic i'm joined by a good friend of mine uh peter howard uh he's at pa howdy on twitter Uh, He does uh, everything when it comes to prospect analysis and and he builds this awesome database. Uh, You can definitely uh, check that out. I'll let him tell you more about that. But Peter, uh, how are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing pretty good, man. And during life being discount Travis May out here on these Twitter streets, um, I was just gonna say, like you were just talking like a regular human person, and we were just jiving, and then you turned on the microphone, and that stuff got real up in here. Like that professional voice came on. You're sounding all radio friendly. Like it, was, yeah, man. It was uh, pretty amazing to watch. But yeah, uh, thanks for asking me on. And just so anyone who listens to me, which he really shouldn't but um, knows
0: (laughs) if Travis is
1: asking me to talk about Combine and Pro Days it's because he doesn't care about it (laughs) <laughs> because you don't ask me about combine numbers. Oh, man. If you want positive information, so just no. throwing that out there. But yeah, thanks, Travis.
0: Dude, I, I'm I'm always glad to just talk to you about uh, anything when it comes to numbers and just uh, give you a hard time about what they really mean <laughs> uh, and what they don't mean. Uh, we we get into some fun disagreements, uh, and and it's it, it gets to a point where I don't, I'm not even sure if either of us are serious about our stance. But you know, it, it's a good time. So. Uh, just love breaking down prospects I have, uh, with
1: you. I haven't been certain if we're joking or, you know, actually having a conversation for years now. Like, yeah. I'm not actually certain what we've said <laughs> to each other. It's, you know... <laughs> could yeah. be dry humor, could be yeah. an actual opinion, not sure. Well, hey, I think it's, that's the best. I think that's confusing, how we know. But it's uh, been very fun.
0: That's <laughs> how we really know we're friends. But <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, for those of you who've been paying attention to this podcast for quite some time, Peter was actually one of my first guests. And we, and we talked about some meaningful metrics in terms of production metrics uh, as we build wide receiver profiles and running backs and what really means something and trying to predict these players' NFL futures And so kind of as an extension of that, I wanted to have you on to talk about Uh, what you do with all all this physical information when it comes to the combine, when it comes to pro days, and how you build that into your process. But first and foremost, I want people to know where they can find your content. They can go to, what, patreon.com slash P.A. Howard, right?
1: Yeah, that's my actual name. I don't tell a lot of people. I just got (laughs) tired writing it on the Twitter handle. (laughs) (laughs) I put a Y on the end. But yeah, um, backslash P.A. Howard. Uh, Any written content goes either there or to Dynasty League Football, which is, you know, yeah you know some of us don't abandon ship travis so some of us are still <laughs> over here the home base Yeah, at yeah. Um,
0: good, good people over there and
1: yeah youtube i guess we're, we're pretty much isn't everyone on youtube twitter just all this like we're Something all like we're that. all everywhere yeah you get
0: it? That, that's about right but yeah you do good work so i always like to just promote that <gasps> but But when when you get to the NFL combine, when you just let's just dive right in, because when you get to a player's profile, I mean, you you kind of have a a pretty good idea of how you think of a player far more than, you know, what somebody's 40 time can tell you. And obviously, I think a lot of people understand that, but we still we still tend to overreact. So what kind of new information this time of year are you looking for? Does that really shape your process in terms of what you think of a, of a prospect.
1: We're talking about on Terry here, or? Um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, no. Thank you for coming to the Road of Viz podcast. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> really the summation. Like, nah, I'm good. It's awkward. It depends what type of analysis you're applying. And the combine, I always think, can be positive, but I'm never going to downgrade a player because of it. Sure. Not, I, I guess that's my overall view like it can be positive or I don't care
0: but um <laughs> sorry. no, that's all good I mean like if, if somebody it's, just completely uh, whiffs on a threshold that you typically like to see you know like if a running back you know runs below a four six five or or even a wide receiver runs much below four six I mean like does that change much for you
1: It's like a vestigial limb at this point. Like, I've become so lazy about combine numbers. I don't even have thresholds I like people to cross anymore. I'm like, eh, let's see how hyped Twitter is about it. No, look, there are (laughs) thresholds at work. And if you want to talk about decision tree analysis and that kind of process, I mean, it's positive, especially for running backs and tight ends. There is definitely value there in how big and tall and fast a player is. At least they have to operate within a certain range if you want any kind of hit rate. But ultimately... What I was trying to describe before and just could not find my words. Use your words, Pete. Um, I think the best description of what the combine or those kind of stats are is telling you what they use to do what they did in college. And so, mm-hmm. like Rashad Bateman, if he runs a 4 6 or a 4 3, I don't care because whatever he was. Running, he used that speed to be really good, and I think that's what's more important to me. Were they really good or really bad? Now, there are players who don't play enough, so frankly, like, how can I possibly say they're good or bad? And it probably becomes more relevant there. Jalen Waddle, a lot of people love this year. The fairest thing I can say is he didn't play enough for me to have a clue, and so the combine might pay, it's more relevant there. I at least want to know there's some positive there. Outside, you know, the seventeen different opinions I can get from those, you know, nerdy tape grinders because they're all different. Apparently, yeah, they tape are. shows you different things every time. Yeah, and uh, just memeing on tape grinders, I'm running no. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I think but yeah, well, that was like ten minutes of talking. I should no, uh, up no, that's you. all good
0: because Jalen Waddle is. It's that's a great point because everyone when we watch Jalen Waddle, we go, "Oh, that guy is." definitely fast at least he looks like he's super fast Um, but the thing is what you mentioned and and a lot of us that love to kind of project and and act like we can predict the future with these prospects we like to see a player that produces more that that accounts for more of uh, their offense for you know more than like a four or five game stretch in their third season you know and so like I understand like when you're looking for another box to be checked like it would help actually if he actually showed up to his pro day and had some elite level speed would that would that kind of cement your okay level of 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 saying you know what he, okay he's got some draft capital he he has some questions with this production profile but hey his pro day, his pro day time is a 435 so i i'm, I'm going to believe the tape grinders now
1: i would say that i will draft an athletic freak in the third and fourth round just based on that, because there's always upside to being athletic. I get it, and third and fourth round picks suffer so much. That's more where I highly value. That's how you capture a Tyree Kill. He's not being highly drafted, but and he didn't play a lot. But you got to believe some level of athleticism might lead to upside, and for a cheap price, like that's fine. That's a perfectly good thing to bet on. It's when it gets more expensive, I want to see the production and care less about the combine. But I do believe, believe it or not. I know I'm a rarity in the nerdy community, but I believe <laughs> tape grinders. I think they're seeing what they're seeing. And I think there's a lot of value there. I just don't think I know how valuable it is. I don't know how to compare it to past prospects because it's not there to compare. You know what I mean? Tape grinders have a background and knowledge of what they've seen in their heads and it's nowhere else. And so it's hard for me as an outsider to really know how to compare that. What I would say is it's not, I, I care more about what the tape grinders say than what the combine says when it comes down to a player didn't play a lot and you know i was just listening to zach reed and j mike check on the dynasty dummy show one of my favorites and they had different opinions but they broke down what they were seeing and the description of how he plays i think that as like a guy who doesn't watch football knows nothing about how to play it that's mostly a joke but there you go (laughs) and that's the most valuable thing to me because it describes two people who are very good with good eyes seeing what they the player does. And even though they differ, it helps me understand how he might fit into the NFL. The combine times, again, I, I would rather fade that over a person whose opinion I value's actual description of how he's playing on the field. So, sure. yeah, I'm just full-on fade the combine, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, that's just a good reminder, really, because this time of year, I mean, there's going to be some times that are bonkers. And this year, more than ever, uh, that's probably going to be the case because across the board, nobody has a combine, an official standardized measurement of their performance. They, you know, the NFL has talked about how they're going to try to standardize it. I don't know how that's going to be really possible at all these different locations uh, and, and under different circumstances, uh, in different facilities, and different people working these all over the country. So it's going to be weird, uh, and we've already seen it. Like Rashad Bateman, you mentioned him already. He already apparently ran a sub four four. 40 and so that kind of i mean i don't i don't think that he's really that fast when he plays and i think a lot of the people who have spent a lot of time logging and charting his snaps and have really been watching him closely for years would agree he probably doesn't play that fast but we just didn't want to see him pull a tyler johnson and just be like "Nah, i'm really actually too slow to really clock a good time uh at at uh, the pro day even so i won't even i won't even do that you know so so at least he actually logs something you know
1: yeah, back, back off Tyler Johnson. He's Super Bowl <laughs> champion. Tyler Johnson does not need shade from Travis May right
0: now, okay? Yeah, you know, and Super, it's funny. like
1: Super Bowl ring.
0: <laughs> yes, and, and, and I won't give I love you that. any crap because I like Tyler Johnson too, a, a former teammate of Rashad Bateman at Minnesota, and a lot of us that like our production metrics and like our early breakout ages, we liked Tyler Tyler Johnson for a long time. He kind of had a weird senior bowl slash non-senior bowl slash non-combine season season. Uh, and he was drafted he later, did not, you know.
1: Yeah, he did not do well with the process. Right, the whole <laughs> process. The draft process. He just screwed it all. Yeah, if, that, if you basically. want to take notes but. on how
0: not to do the pre-draft process, he would be a great prospect to look at because he just it, it fell apart. And so maybe he does develop into something. If uh, you know Chris Godwin moves on, uh, I still believe that he could. But yeah, he's definitely one that de- disappointed in terms of uh, by the metrics because he was incredibly productive to start his college career he checked a whole lot of boxes that we we like to see and then Rashad Bateman comes along and does the same thing and because he has the same helmet and he has the same jersey there's a bit of apprehension (laughs) now right like just even though it's completely irrational to think oh because he's also a Minnesota wide receiver he's gonna flail about and fail in this draft season also it still happens. but So it was good to see that he had a sub-4, four, 440. But for me, that doesn't move the needle at all. He was already in, the, in my top five wide receivers for this class easily. Is that still the case for you as well?
1: Yeah, for me it's top two. But I will say oh. if you want to add some rationality to it, um, I've, I've really been trying to dig more into conference yeah. context this offseason. Um, and something I noticed, I don't know how I ended up doing it. I'm, I, I, most things I do, but I by accident i stumble into them but i di- i have divisions divi- divided by or conferences divided by division i guess so like there's like the big 10 the sec west and the big 10 east mm-hmm. and and something that came up just because i happen to have them listed that way was no one's ever drafted no nfl team since 2000 at least has spent anything more than a fifth-round pick from the specific division of the conference he's coming from. Like, the best was Kenny Bell a couple of years ago. Now, yep. that probably means nothing, but I do think we know the NFL has biases from Alabama to the SEC West.
0: Oh, absolutely, like they do.
1: That's where they're looking. That's where they believe the best players come from, despite how often the best players don't come from that. So there is some concern. Like, they, like there's been no draft capital spent here ever. So that's a little rational, if you know what I mean. But yeah, yeah. as for terms of what... That's my concern with Bateman. Outside of that, he's literally untouchable. <laughs> he's yeah. like, he did. And this is the way Combine stats kind of translate in my head when I hear people talking about him, because there's rational, relevant, important information to do with thresholds and decision tree analysis that I've read about on RotoViz, no less. <laughs> like, the RotoViz. But it feels like we've put in all this work and we found this thing, right? Like most good NFL players for fantasy have something in common and we search for ages for it and it's hard to do. And we spend hours working on it and we find Rashad Bateman. It's like he has one of the few things the large majority of NFL players actually have in common. And it's not 40 times because they don't share it in common. It's not BMI because they don't share it in common. It's not even hand size, hand (laughs) size Twitter. Get out of here. It's production (laughs) and it's production above what most players do in college. And like Rashad Bateman's got that. And everyone's like, cool. But then he runs a fast 40 and in the eggplant emojis go up. Like that's all we had to do
0: just wait for the
1: 40 time. All we like, had to come do. on, guys. That's
0: how yeah. a combine feels. But and, and speak <laughs> to that again because I think uh, you know a, a lot of our listeners are already familiar with all of, all of the road of his production metrics. I mean, even but I think some aren't, you know. I mean, like I, I in my adjusted production index that kind of looks at peak production, he's a 90th percentile plus prospect. Like he checks every single box you want to see across the board. But for you, what are the most meaningful metrics that you la- You look at that a lot of players have in common.
1: I like looking at Travis May's adjusted production. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I hate it. I don't like it at all. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I know. I'm I'm kind of a tape grinder equivalent of a fake nerd. I, I just like looking at the way the career progressed and pairing it to past players across several different metrics. I like looking at Dominator. I'm not saying it's that relevant or that important but I do like knowing that a player was able to co-op some synonym for a large role on a team and so I compare that to what players have done on that team in the past and recently and good players from that team and same for the conference and so essentially I, do, I look at everything I can. But if I was going to say one thing, what I like to do is compare current prospects to past players that have been successful in the NFL by age. So what did sure. what's the average of good players did at age 18 and 19 and 20 and how do they compare across their college career um that way. And you can make like like little nerdy grass when you do it that way, little average, nice little linear trend line as if it exists, and <laughs> look whether they're over it and under it essentially.
0: Sure. So I guess when it comes to marrying that with some of these pro days that are going to be coming up, I mean we already saw, saw Rashad Bateman. What happens when somebody that kind of lived a little bit below the line that's not named Jalen Waddle that that maybe isn't an obvious like an early obvious early round draft pick? and all of a sudden they wow let's say march 18th comes along and that is auburn's pro day and anthony schwartz who is seriously olympic level sprinter fast uh you know runs a sub four two 40 yard dash at his pro day would that be a moment where a light bulb comes on and you make an exception and you say you know what that's different that that changes my mind even though i understand that you know, Anthony Schwartz really peaked, even if you adjust like per game, like just this past year, it may be 28%. So you didn't really see a full breakout season in terms of receiving yard market share and overall dominator rating. But because of his extreme elite athleticism, would that change things for you?
1: No. Um, um, there has to be a reason they underproduced. Sure. And it's not because we don't have a few, several players that would. Genuinely, genuinely underproductive despite playing decent amounts in college that went on to succeed. Two of them are literally from the same team in Ohio, so like I just want to blame Ohio for that. But most of the others were either playing quarterback or running back, or, or they didn't play because they have off field concerns and still do, frankly. And so th- like, a 40-time isn't enough for me, but there is a value argument. If you can trade back and get a first-round wide receiver who keeps falling to the end of the first round, so you're adding value onto the back of your roster in terms of dynasty, then, yeah, I'm not going to ignore draft capital because despite all my whining, like, draft capital matters, man. <laughs> Absolutely. It just moves out most it's just everything. <laughs> matters. It's the single most important thing, most predictive, got all the fancy R-squared nerd score-type things going for it. So, like, if I can trade back far enough, I'll take Henry Ruggs. I think he's going to be a good NFL player. I just don't think he's the type of player that turns into a good fantasy player. But, sure, if I can get value and a first-round wide receiver, sure. But outside of that, I need pretty good reasons to suspect his numbers are lying, and there's relatively few of them that I'll actually accept. They either played in Ohio or they were actually a quarterback. That's basically the (laughs) list. Um, Okay. But – But if we're again going back to that Tyree Kill, if we're talking about a third, fourth round player, hopefully. In good leagues, all the other players that were productive are gone. So, yeah, sure, bet on athleticism paying off.
0: And that's what where I struggle because uh, in my leagues, there's always a few team managers in fantasy leagues that just overreact to this information every single year. And even though I already like Anthony Schwartz, and I already understand that he's probably going to run a 4-2 flat, if not better, because he is an Olympic sprinter, I, there's there are at least three or four people in all my leagues that double count and uh freak out and then they reach by a full full round and i just miss out on on some of my favorite players do you find yourself like ever struggling with that just like because i didn't overreact enough like my league mates that i'm i'm actually going to miss out on these guys yeah all the
1: time and constantly when you are asked to form firm opinions because that's what a draft pick requires you either have to do it or you don't and if you don't do it you could get burnt and you could get burnt if you yeah so I know exactly what you're talking about. We tend to form and we try to coalesce everything we know. And we've learned into this very firm opinion while telling people I can be wrong. <laughs> and that's why we play the dynasty value game. You try to trade back you try to get value, try to insulate the risks somewhat a little bit. And Swartz is an interesting case. I really only have two years that are worth considering for him. And at least he was like at 26% at age 19. Yeah, That's not bad. It's not, you know, it's not that thirty percent threshold. Rotaviz is always pushing on us. But it's not bad. So if he gets draft capital because of his forty time, he might fit into that conversation. Yeah. But I, I haven't actually looked at Swartz too much.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of where I am. I think like he's an example of somebody that I think could sneak into the back end of, of round three just because mm. he's gonna wow with that elite level, almost unprecedented type speed for. Uh, NFL athletes and so I, I kind of already understand that's going to happen but I think some people are going to see it happen and freak out and I'm, I'm going to end up with you know no leagues at all <laughs> and it's going to be a huge bummer but do you do me,
1: the similar process running back or is it more heavily weighted for you because like Etienne is like a, an incredible sprinter as well
0: right yeah so ETN I mean, sorry yeah. ETN E-ETN is an incredible sprinter and, and the thing is I know he's gonna kill it at his pro day, which is coming up on March 11th, like a, a week and change away from from today. And so I know he's going to kill it. And um, I, he's already, he's been my running back one. He finished. I mean, he checks all the the production metrics you want to see for running back, except for maybe early entry. I guess when, when we're talking about an early declare rather. Um, right. Analytically speaking, I mean he, the dude just has even from a, a tape standpoint, he has all the contact balance. He has the speed. He's got the he's got enough strength. He doesn't he, he doesn't have Najee Harris size, but uh, you know having you know final season fourteen percent receiving yard market share as a running back is just bonkers. Uh, so he has he's already my running back one. But I think there are going to be wow. some people that come back to that table and say, oh oh he he ran like a four. Three nine at his pro pro day. I, I think I need to take another look, and he might move back up into that conversation for a lot more people. Um, well,
1: the Najee Harris hate is just real, at Rotoviz. When no, it's, <laughs> you
0: don't like those
1: old it's guys. Not, just hate Najee no, Harris. It's no, in the books, it's Travis funny it's like, if he's yeah,
0: if he's <laughs> if he's not my running back one, I hate Najee Harris. That's how that works. Yeah,
1: obviously, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's No, um, no, I appreciate that. The real concern with the combine isn't these players who kind of like an Anthony Schwartz, or even an Etne. Etna has great production, and athleticism is only a positive thing, right? It's just right. a nice tick. It's a good positive for him to have. And NFL teams are going to love these things, and that provides more opportunity, hopefully, yeah. that we'll see with a draft capital. Really, it's a, it's the a corollary of Cordero Panison. If a guy is that much of an athletic freak and can't produce above average, then that's probably an indication that they're not good because if you are the most athletic guy on every field you've ever stood on and can't do it that's probably you're just not good right Right. so yeah that's where it really becomes a major issue everything else is a discussion between value and who you'd rather have over Anthony Swartz for example like whether it's Amon Ra who's actually ranked above players right now that I prefer who I think might get more draft capital but um so it breaks down into this value conversation
0: yeah absolutely well we'll we'll talk about on the other side here just some specific players we've already you know hit on Rashad Bateman Anthony Schwartz a little bit of ETN a few other guys Jalen Waddle. but talk about some upcoming pro days and what we can expect from some of these players and how that might shape or fit in with who they are as a player and uh, what we can do uh, in upcoming rookie drafts and how we prepare throughout the rest of the season but, but first a word from our sponsors What's up, Road of His listeners? It's
1: Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Road of His Radio and one of the co hosts of the Road of His Overtime podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Road of His Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Road of His NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRadio2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Road of His website, the best tools and content in the business. Or the best listeners in the business as always we do appreciate you listening to each and every show and if you do have 5 10 15 seconds to spare please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app it is much appreciated with all that said thank you once again for tuning in i hope you have a great
0: day now let's get back to the show Alright, so we talked about some of these players, some of the guys that we're really pumped about, some of the guys that are going to be athletic freaks at their Pro Days, some, you know, with Rashad Bateman, he already has displayed athleticism, and he's got the, the perfect profile. And you've already said he's like a top two wide receiver. I think he'll, we could probably break that down a little bit more. But I I, <laughs> I, I want to get into some of these guys that have upcoming Pro Days and just uh, what you're doing with them, uh, how their athleticism might fit in with what you already know and, and with their production profile. So, Kicking things off, super exciting pro day here for you, Peter. Uh, we we get to see Kansas, <laughs> Kansas football. Oh, wow. <laughs> it kicks off with their pro day March fifth. That's this week. I mean, just a few days from when we're speaking right now. And uh, really, the only interesting guy that they have on their team is Puka Williams Jr. And, and you know, he was incredibly productive in spurts for Kansas, a really bad Kansas football team. There are some people that really like him. Some people think eh, he'd be lucky to get day three capital. The dude is really freaking tiny. Like he's you know, he might be a 180 <laughs> pounds like soaking wet. So what are you doing with this guy who's like super tiny? Like, does that really is that a red flag that you just completely pass? Is that the com- the kind of conversation that you're interested in more so than these athletic numbers? They're going to put on, on on the pieces of paper here soon. Hell
1: no, come at me, BMI Twitter. Like, no, I'm not, I like Team Tiny Guy. Like, you're telling me you're going to not value Odo Beckham for the first three years of his career, at least, because he was a little smaller, or Jarvis Landry, or DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley, who are both kind of on Team Tiny Guy. Now, all of them cross certain BMI thresholds, but if you notice with the BMI conversation, it continuously gets put back as someone else with a slightly lower BMI does something good in the NFL. So it used to be 27, now it's 26, and eventually one day it might even be 25. It is a concern because there is very likely a correlation to sturdiness or longevity or an ability to get hit by NFL-caliber athletes and how thick you are right right but i don't know that we've proven the relationship and you know someone needs to go talk to philip Lindsay about size and how easy you break because it doesn't seem to always bear out we don't know nearly enough about how they're going to take on a load at the nfl level so it's like 40 time i don't want to draft um running back who runs over a 4-6 because that's Pretty much never happened apart from Arian Foster. And I don't want to draft an NFL wide receiver with a BMI below 26 because it's never really happened apart from Deshaun Jackson. So, I mean, yeah, it matters, but it doesn't matter nearly as much to me as if they're good. And right. to me, the definition of if they're good is if they have done good things. And again, when you go and look at players who have been good in the NFL, which I think is the best measure of who is good. Like those who've created multiple top 24 fantasy finishes, top yeah, 12 fantasy I, finishes going to the hall of fame. That's how we measure it. What <laughs> they did is produce more than most people did in college. When you look at market share, which is an incredibly simple percentage calculation, you look at yards team pass attempt. And so, yeah, that's what I care about more, but you know, it's not. It's definitely not a positive if they're yeah. tiny. <laughs> just yeah. if just because they're tiny. But
0: that's um, that's where I, I think we think... can also find ba- value, though, because like I think because yeah. Puka Williams is so tiny, people are just gonna see him weigh in. You know, even if he you know eats a few extra donuts the morning of and he weighs in like it, <laughs> you know, five. If he's you know he actually gets up to one eighty flat. At running back, I think still people are going to be like, nah, okay, bye. And and I think you'll you'll be able to find just like Philip Lindsay at the very end of rookie drafts in most dynasty fantasy football leagues. Uh, like like Philip Lindsay, you know, he he may even barely get drafted or even go undrafted because of his size, but because of, you know, he had two incredibly productive seasons for Kansas. Puka Williams could be somebody that uh, still sticks around. Like he had a fourteen hundred yard season back in twenty eighteen for a really bad Kansas team, followed it up with another 1,200-plus yards from scrimmage season on a really bad Kansas team, and he was doing so at a small size, overcoming that uh, and still finding a way to succeed uh, d- despite all evidence to you know that, that said, no, there's no way anyone could do what he did. He did it anyway. So I think that there are edges to be found when there are negative results on pro days and people overreact to that as well. But Puku Williams, I mean, that's kind of a deeper fourth tier, fifth tier rookie name, but that's coming up. And so I think we're going to start to see people overreact to the negative stuff here very soon. And then, really, right after that, we got March 11th. That's going to be the big one because you've got Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence and, and really Amari Rogers, Cornell Powell. I mean, with both of those wide receivers I just mentioned, I mean, they they didn't produce until basically their final season uh, within interesting levels of production. So you're, you're not excited about either of those players, are you, with Amari Rogers or uh, Cornell Powell?
1: No, not really. They they just don't look good. They struggled no. in situations where worse NFL players have excelled. I mean, it's not. No, yeah, they just don't look good. Um, sure. Zach Reed literally calls them uh, the equivalent of a gas station egg roll when you're looking for one of those really good egg rolls. I don't <laughs> quite know what that means. I yeah. can't translate no, that, tape that analogy. I, I get but it doesn't though. sound good.
0: No, no, it doesn't. With, with quarterback, though, with Trevor Lawrence, uh, I, I think back, he's already had his pro day, so he's not going to, he's not going to, you know, I don't even know what he's he's going to do that day, because uh, he, he's already kind of has his own special televised workout. Uh, but do you care much about thresholds at that position at all, or is that just, you know, you, you do not care?
1: I have no idea what to do with the quarterback. There, there's a little known secret I end up saying every podcast. Like, I have no idea. I've listened to, I seriously, <laughs> I listen and I grind and I try to listen to the, Tape or analytics, I really don't care which team wins, I just want to be on the winning team. Yes, and um, like I've listened to some sophisticated breakdowns of quarterback play over the years and in the past of guys who like really know their stuff on tape and analytics, and as far as I can tell. None of it matters. Like the best I've got is um, two QBs. Some of my favorite analysts come from two QBs and obviously the, the, the old website. You want efficiency and you want efficiency at an early age, but also with decent experience, which is a hard mixture to find. Really, and so that yeah. creates a, a relatively re- small sample of quarterbacks. And then you want top 12 players. You know, I, I mean, everyone that we really love right now is outside that range. Dak Prescott, um, Aaron Rodgers was not the top 12 players obviously Tom Brady wasn't um, it matters with yeah. quarterback you, you essentially have to segment rounds you can, can't stop looking at it in terms of draft round you have to look at draft picks it has a large effect and uh, you know obviously you don't draft Mitchell Trubisky I
0: guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rule um, number one, just not that guy. But no, I, I think the only is-
1: stat I can really throw my shoulder behind is one of those two QB analysts and his name's Sean Slavin. I really appreciate his work on quarterback actually at Slavin22 on Twitter. And um he created a stat called what is it, T N E A, which is like an NEA but with rushing taken into account, which nice. is an interesting way of looking at it. I really like his stat. And also Josh Hermsmeyer produced um, completion percentage over expected or sePO, mm-hmm. And I look at those two and they don't create great ranking lists, but I at least want positive scores in those two stats and Lawrence and uh, Mac Jones and fields all have them this year, by the way. So like yeah. see what the draft says. That's where I'm at. Quarterbacks evaluation seems to be wizardry to me. I have no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah. But that's one position where I, when it comes to the pro day, like it's just, I, I tune it out because it's just, it just—it's a bunch of coach speak and a bunch of uh, empty words in many cases. But for me, I've—I've right. I've been working on like my own uh, adjusted metric there, just looking at accounting for play action percentage and, and building an adjusted yards per pass attempt over expected. Uh, And and really just trying to look at uh, a a good look at their actual passing metrics. And and then I'm going to add some rushing metrics into it as well to try to predict draft capital for nerdy, you know, developmental or devy fantasy formats. Because, I mean, really, capital is is (laughs) that's what all that's all that matters for the most part when it comes to quarterbacks. There are exceptions. Uh, You know, the greatest of all time is an exception to that rule. (sighs) But for the most part, like just you're looking for capital with, with quarterbacks. So like all this, all this stuff, all this hurrah about like, you know, he's six, four and 230 pounds. I don't care. Like it's, it's, I guess. <laughs> and so, yeah. So yeah, that's where I am with, with that. But uh, March 12th though, the day after that that combine, we get to a guy who I'm interested in because of how weird of a career he had in college. He's going to be, you know, one of those asterisk guy all the way across the board, like uh, Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma. He's somebody who is, uh, you know, he's going to check that transfer box. He's a transfer back. uh, He's going to
1: look great in a uniform. Yes, he (laughs) is. He's super big
0: and muscular. And if he actually has a good pro day, there's going to be a bunch of people just drooling over this guy, especially when they look at his last six games. You know, he was suspended uh, for most of this last season, this, uh, this past fall, or about half the season. Came out. And had like 800 yards from scrimmage or more, I think, in his last six games. Absolutely changed the Oklahoma offense. Uh, at least it looked like he did. So Ramondre Stevenson, <laughs> like, what what do you do with a running back that, you know, he's he has all this meaningless production before he transfers to Oklahoma? You know, it, it looks like he might be coming on strong late 2019 as the best back on the team. And then he misses half of this last season last fall comes on and has a ridiculously productive six-game stretch and then looks really great in the uniform. Like, Yeah,
1: I mean, and, you know, the fact NFL teams are going to freaking love that. I mean, uh, that's quintessential NFL, right? Look at that guy. Ooh, he looks good in the uniform. We're going to pound him into a line. And it has value. Like, we see replacement backs come in and be good for fantasy all the time. Like, Unfortunately there's a limited ceiling like not everyone can be Derek Henry and it took Derek Henry an inordinate amount of time to become Derek Henry like most running backs break out a lot earlier than he did he's just good but then we go back to you know those things again I hate to keep mentioning Zach Reed because he's awesome but also because it feels like I'm just pirating his information at this point but he was pointing out (laughs) that Derek Henry like had the sixth highest Rushing production season ever in the NFL, not mm. back in the heyday, but in no, 2020, ever. it's incredibly impressive. Yeah. And was outscored by Alvin Kamara by 70 points. So, he uh, <laughs> was closer to Chris Carson in PP points per game than he was Alvin Kamara. So, like, yeah, yeah receptions we play in a reception world, whether you like it or not. And so, you got to look for some belief that a player can take on that. Now, if they're going to be NFL players. I can catch a ball, you know, if you give me time to prepare and practice. So yeah. NFL level caliber athletes can definitely catch, and they can run routes. But will they be asked to? That depends mostly on whether they did it in college. And yeah, Stevenson wasn't really that guy no. in college. If I think he caught less He's,
0: than thirty balls in his entire yeah well, his all his Division One days. You know, it, I, it doesn't really matter to me what you did at a JUCO school, but uh, production wise,
1: Fair. And, yeah, the end result is even if he gets opportunity, you're not going to want to pay a lot for it because it's very limited in terms of his upside. But you don't want to ignore the fact that he could definitely play a role for the NFL. And the NFL, if some GM looks at him and takes him in the third or fourth round to be that, you can't ignore it because he's not a perfect profile in terms of production, but he's built the right way and he was Uh, Decent in that role He's got like a 7.7 yards per touch Over his career average He was incredibly effective Yes I
0: mean part of it is like Is that the scheme Uh, Oklahoma's had some crazy efficient backs here In in recent years as well Like even Kennedy Brooks uh, Has looked apart last year Seth McGowan showed up as a true freshman Was incredibly efficient it looks like that, that whole situation kind of, with yeah.
1: Sermon and Brooks and Stevenson it just makes this all more complicated. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like could you it just does. just have a couple, okay guys? Pick yeah. one. <laughs> but then, yeah, they
0: they had like four guys that all could go to the pros one day that like on the same team same time. But yeah, I, I think for me I'm. I'm gonna. I know that he's gonna have a decent size, speed, size, speed score. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm kind of already building that into my analysis, expecting that he's probably gonna be one of those guys that sneaks into that fringe round three, four value, uh, in the NFL draft. So because of, I think in part because of what he's gonna do at his pro day. Uh, but Is this I think,
1: a problem of we want the next James Robinson? Like he was yes. in JUCO. He's got one year. Yeah, we like. Obviously, we want the next James Robinson, but like,
0: there just isn't. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. and he's like, not that. We but do I,
1: not get that hardly ever, let alone every like it just happened. Yeah, I mean, the probability remains the same, but it remains incredibly low. So mm-hmm. let's see what the draft brings,
0: you know, for sure. <laughs> uh, some other interesting names coming up though for pro days. Isaiah McCoy, I know you like him. Uh, just he's a G5 wide receiver. You know, and not everybody comes out of Kent State and people are super interested. Uh, but, right. uh, you know, he was incredibly productive early on. Uh, he, he should have a decent pro day. I don't think I don't think he's going to run a four four, uh, but he could get a, a four sub, you know, a sub four five 40 time. I, I might be interested there. I know you've you've done some work on him. He's a, an interesting late flyer. Uh, Josh Imorta, I I I stumble over his name every single time. Uh, Imortabebe, Josh Imortabebe, out of Illinois, had like a 45-inch vert in high school. Uh, They measure it differently in high school. Uh, they measure actually like from the bottom of their feet. Like they gotta like lock your knees. It's really goofy and it's hard to kind of standardize. But still ridiculous athleticism. Probably gonna leap out of the building again. So I'm keeping an eye on that. Uh, Demonte Coxie is like 47,000 years old, but uh, he, he he might be interesting as a wide receiver out of Memphis on March 19th. But the guy I'm really looking for at that pro day is Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, did he actually add weight? Is, is he actually going uh, I- uh, to be thick enough to kind of answer some questions with BMI? Because, I mean, he had 51, I think, 51 receptions uh, in 2019, had like over 1,500 yards from scrimmage, just an incredibly productive year. for a really good top-of-the-line G5 school. uh, What are you doing with Kenneth Gainwell, and and where do you have him ranked currently?
1: Thick spelt with a C and another C, by the way, just to to clarify that. Gainwell, I'm really interested in him, Um, and you're right, the pro day might actually be more important than Gainwell. We haven't seen him, like literally, and he's got such a horrible story. I mean, everyone's had problems over the last year, but like his story is just honestly a tearjerker like if you don't like to get too personal with game well like didn't he lose family members to COVID before he d- decided not to come back it's yeah, just it was, yeah and, and he set out
0: his whole year um and so it's just he he really could show up at his pro day because he's had a, really a year over a year to to perfect his body and, and turn into a professional athlete because he was not necessarily nfl fast he was not necessarily nfl big but he was an incredibly productive uh, you know outside, outside zone running artist who could also really catch really catch passes well and be you know slip split out to the slot and just the usage of uh, from Mike Norvell getting gainwell the ball all over the place was just incredible so i i hope he gets some capital cuz if he lands in in a right the right spot like with the 49ers or somebody who's really good at getting their running backs in out in space uh, and utilizing them in the passing game In today's NFL, I mean, he could be a a star.
1: I hear you. Don't get personal. I got it, Travis. Just talk about his production. Well, because we don't think he was that athletic, in the same way that athleticism without production can be a red flag, production with perhaps lower athleticism can be a positive because that says something about your ability to produce on the field. Yes. And while he has relatively small sample size because he didn't get to play in 2020, it was just a write-off, unfortunately. um, He was incredible an incredible producer with the opportunities he's got like you said he has a really strong receiving floor he had a 7.6 yards per touch i mean he was great now my concerns actually for game actually she come from a little known tape grinder called Jake Anderson who actually just <laughs> plays golf now but occasionally <laughs> likes to still weigh in now my, an unholy merger of Zach Reed and Jake Anderson is basically my first stop and um, of trying to get an understanding of how they produced and um, Zach it does a really good job of highlighting the dynamic playmaking ability of someone like Gamewell. He's electric when he's electric. and um, But Jake's pointed out it's fairly inconsistent. When you're not looking at an electric play, you're actually looking at a, a subpar, can't really do what's asked of him play. And that's weird from uh, a numbers grinder. I get it. But running back's so much more of a team decision teams get to put the running back on the field that they want so it's going to come down to a lot of what the team sees and and you know that that's an that's a necessary red flag Um, in terms of production he's my third running back in this class i absolutely love him but more context suggests there's actually more problems there but like you said he didn't get to play a lot some of that stuff can be ironed out with experience and he definitely has skills um he's also on team tiny guy, probably.
0: So, yes, he is know. probably unless something <laughs> changed, but uh, yeah, it's, it's good to know that. I mean, like you can appreciate the production, but also understand the context of that player. Uh, and for me, I am going to be looking at his, his weight because I think it can speak to, did he actually do something with the year that he had to, to prepare for this moment? But you know,
1: we are kind of reading tea leaves at that point, but yeah. I mean, that's what we got. Like, well, yeah, we him have with it
0: because we, we missed an entire season. <laughs> So
1: (laughs) Exactly. But the NFL is going to be reading those tea leaves too. And like you said, draft capital, predicting it has a purpose. Um, Especially for running back, it's basically impossible to earn opportunity outside of injury unless a team wants to use you. So are they are going to care a lot about this pro day. So I think we should follow suit.
0: Yeah. And that's March 19th. That's Memphis coming up. The, then the next week, Alabama and Purdue are on the same day. Obviously we have uh, Najee Harris. We've got Devonte Smith. We've got Jalen Waddle. And we've got a bunch of guys to get excited about there, that pro day. But I mean, we've been breaking down those guys for a while. There's, there's not really any new information I'm going to care about on that day for Alabama. Uh, but for Purdue... The guy that is probably going to blow up more than anybody and we're going to double count and triple count these numbers for, for, you know, for him more than anyone uh, is Rondell Moore. I mean, a guy that when he was 18 years old, before he was even a freshman at Purdue, was already squatting 600 pounds and he already ran in like a legit sub four, four, like, you know, four, three ish flat numbers as a high school kid, you know, came out and just exploded with incredible production as a true freshman for my alma mater Purdue Boilermakers and now he he's going to you know he's he's had a lot of time to work on getting in even better shape and and it, it's reported he's probably going to be 43 ish and you know be sub 4 in in uh the shuttle and you know like 6.8 and like the the cone and you know he's going to just you know leap out of the building in the vert so i do you care about that at all cuz i mean it feels like we already know rondale moore might be the best athlete at the position in this class
1: nope no i I actually wanted to want to talk about rondale moore i was just gonna say no and leave it hanging but (laughs) i care about it a little bit and this is why he has like the best single college season of anyone in this class last class of the year before remember justin jefferson's in that damn class at least his dominator and yards per team pass attempt and all of it at age 18 was basically he'd done what he needed to do and the injuries are a problem, but he (laughs) did what he needed to do in one year. It's pretty impressive. And he's going to be a beast. NFL teams are going to love what they see when they put that uniform on him. They're going to get eggplant emojis all over the place. And, and rightly so the man's incredibly impressive, but, because I constantly second-guess myself and look for reasons just to hate my life, that does make me wonder, especially as everyone seems to be coming in on more, the production's there, the tape's there, the Combine's definitely going to be there. It's like, unless he falls over somehow, I don't think his any of his Combine numbers are going to look remotely bad. I'm right. oh, sorry, pro-day numbers, especially yeah. pro-day numbers. Yeah. So that makes me wonder, like part of the reason we think Age has some signal is because at age 18, you're facing 22 and 23 year olds who have had experience on the team. The team knows who they are. They've learned the routes. They know the concepts and they're physically more imposing than most 18 year olds, no matter how physically imposing those eight, 18 year old football players actually are. I don't know that applies as strictly to Moore because he was a, f- he's a physical freak at 18. Like he would, yeah, he was he pro throw around uh, the tw- 22 and 23 year olds. No problem. So I mean it's not really like it's not really a thing to worry about but that that thoughts in my head so I'm sharing it. No I think, I think that's good
0: piece. because I think a lot of times because we right. think these these age 18, 19 guys don't they're not there athletically but Rondell Moore was he was probably better than most 22 year olds <laughs> athletically speaking <Yeah. laughs> already. Yeah. And so I mean it's just it was unfair it, and it looked unfair like and from his first game his debut game uh just blowing up I, I remember it was like a uh, his first like Big Ten game, it was Northwestern, I think, and just right. very first game exploded, and he never looked back. Had a twenty two hundred all purpose yard season, and then checks checked every box thereafter. You know, maybe the injuries were concerned, but it was kind of a freak, weird like hyperextension, and so I, I'm not super concerned, but I'm, I'm also trying to con- contain myself because <laughs> it's my alma mater, it's like my favorite college player. <laughs> Like OK, no matter how good Wait his numbers are, I'm not going to just
1: get good here. There's reason <laughs> to be excited. Yes.
0: Yes. And it's it's rare for Purdue Boilermakers, but I uh, might have a couple in a row here with him and his uh, teammate David Bell. But we'll see. But March 24th is USC. We've got Amon St. Brown. Uh, supposedly. Looks fantastic. Say what? Uh,
1: Bell looks fantastic. I just happened to see his stats while I was researching more. Yeah. And I was like, who's that guy?
0: <laughs> yeah. that, that is impressive. Yes. <laughs> David Bell. Purdue, you know, coming right after next year for 2022. He's going to be in the wide receiver one conversation next year, most definitely. But uh, but on the 24th, we've got USC. I'm in Ross St. Brown. That's going to be a big day for him. Uh, shortly after that, Jalen Darden is kind of a, a small school darling of mine that I, I appreciate from North Texas. Uh, I want mm-hmm. to see him kind of, you know, just answer the call and, and show that he does have elite burst and elite speed. Uh, So Jalen Darden, North Texas, March 25th. But your favorite guy that's probably going to have his pro day on March 25th is going to be Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. Uh, But it's probably not going to be for athletic reasons that you're excited about more. But uh, will it help answer some questions uh, for you if he does check some athletic boxes there, too, on top of his uh, stellar, uh, stellar production profile?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I am alerted to the fact that Elijah Moore is like king of Team Tiny Guy, apparently. Apparently he's only like three inches tall from some of the comments yeah. I hear on Twitter, and that's going to be a problem for him. Yeah, you that's know? What it, yeah. Maybe he can run between their legs, but... <laughs> yeah, again, this is just another play. And this is one of the weird ones. Like, Bateman has a conference problem. So maybe he was up against easier competition, I guess you could argue. But like Elijah Moore is playing in the SEC West. That's where like 14% of the draft picks of wide receiver came from, from 2000. The NFL yeah. loves this damn conference. But he's outside the top 12, despite being from that conference, being from Old Miss, presumably people are aware of him, and being incredibly productive exactly the way you want to be. And again, being small and doing that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's what what he has, whatever he's made of, he used to do great things in college. And I just think a little, hey, a, a productive player from a really strong conference. There's no concerns like he was up against great competition. Like, shouldn't there be some level of excitement about him? And yeah. I don't hear any there is for I've been me I've told man. he's overrated which is weird because I don't hear anyone saying any kind of rated yeah and so yeah I'm interested I had like a 45 percent dominator rating at 19 years old that second year and that's a level of dominator rating which will actually make me interested in a player if that's the only thing they do at the end of their career let alone in the middle of it at age 19 yeah. it's like what
0: yeah, and then <laughs> this final year, I mean, against all SEC competition, grabbing almost 11 touches per game like this past year. Just insane production. So I'm I'm right there with you. Really excited about Elijah Moore. And I think he can wow, athletically speaking. So I, I uh, in fact, I, I don't think he's going to be two and a half inches tall. I think he's going to be, well, he's definitely going to be taller than Rondell Moore. So uh, I think. Well, I'm going to
1: need teams to pay attention to him. So yes, I'm, yes. I'm all for a good product.
0: Yeah, so let's let's see that happen. But uh, yeah, he, he's he's a guy I'm just not worried about. I think he's gonna answer at least get some uh, you know average combine numbers and and be a really good NFL slot wide receiver. But he shows he shows ability to be an efficient outside wide receiver too. So I I can't wait to see what he does in the pros.
1: When you say slot, it could be an insult. Are you thinking this it's is not,
0: a it's not a productive
1: it's fantasy a, slot or I think productive a, fantasy
0: slot. Okay. Uh, Just checking. checking. Yeah, and then coming up. You think he's Travis Landry? Got it. Yeah, I think he's better. I think he's better. (sighs) Uh, He he might not have the ridiculous, you know, reception streak because that's just hard for anyone to do. But I think he's better overall as a player but uh you know coming up after that i'm really interested to see i think people are going to be uh, you know there's like a big three at tight end this year with kyle pitts pat firemuth and brevin jordan i think march 26th when hunter long runs a four 4-5 five or four five five or something as a tight end it's at, at 250 pounds uh people you know their eyebrows are going to perk up on march 26th with boston college's pro day and that'll be interesting because he was really pr- productive in his final season there uh as a tight end really only splitting production with zay flowers who's a uh, favorite of mine for next year's draft as well, uh, and then March March 29th we got North Carolina everybody's uh, uh, draft darling Javante Williams mine included and Michael Carter I think is going to also wow there and be um, I,
1: yeah Michael Carter is an interesting name I like him
0: he is and why is he to you because I mean to me he played a little bit undersized in in, in college he weighed in he- heavier ish I think at the, his senior bowl uh, and he got to 200 pounds I guess but what what intrigues you about Michael Michael Carter?
1: It's unusual you see two running backs literally split the work, even in the NFL, even if a team has a predilection for it. And that's normally a s- difficult signal to read because, frankly, we we'll want to see a player dominate the position, especially yeah. a, a position which requires it to be good. And yet, both of them, but specifically Michael Carter, he's got that more of a receiving floor, um, interesting role set, for, especially for fantasy with those PPR points we were talking about earlier. And yet, he was still really good in that role as a running back. He's got over mm-hmm. 4,000 yards, 6.8 yards per touch yeah. with an incredible receiving floor. And I just think like, that's pretty cool. I think he literally <laughs> comes from Giovanni Bernard's team, by the way. He, yes, he like, does. He, 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 is he is Giovanni Pokemon Bernard.
0: Like He's, so, he's I, literally I, a clone of Giovanni Bernard. Uh, yeah, it,
1: that's it, why I like him because I love Giovanna Bernard. There you go. Yeah. Literally, that's actually a thing. I love Giovanna Bernard. Yeah. He's better than Jeremy Hill. There's a reason he's the one that's lasted. <laughs> and screw Cincinnati. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: that's that's a, that's a spot on assessment there, there for, <laughs> for you. <laughs> but uh, I I really do still like I like both of them. I think Javante Williams could surprise some and sneak into top four uh, top forty draft capital. Uh, Michael Carter could also be. Uh, top 60 draft capital that that dynamic duo was really what carried along with a really good quarterback and a, a wide receiver <laughs> I like but they really did carry that offense and, and just were incredibly efficient consistently game over game uh, all the time I mean maybe one or two exceptions for each of the running backs in their entire career where they weren't uh, super efficient but really just a, a stellar duo with Javante Williams and Michael Carter so March 29th I don't think that there's going to be any concerns and I think Javante Williams uh, people are just gonna probably double count there too because he was running around a four-five in high school, so I expect him to mm-hmm. kind of check another box there with his size, size, uh speed score. I have uh, to
1: look it up. Is that Sam Howell you're talking about? Yeah, Sam Howell Any is the quarterback. Process, he's he the quarterback
0: potential quarterback one really for for next year. Oh so wow, he's he's Good that enough. high. It's like him, Spencer Rattler, and then the debate thereafter. But. uh yeah, and then March 30th, Louisville, with uh, J- javian Hawkins, who is probably also on Team Small Guy. This class has, is full <laughs> of Team Small Guy running backs. I think I've actually talked about that before, but full of them. And then Tutu Atwell, who's like probably, uh, you know, he's, he's another two and a half inches tall and uh, four and a half pounds, <laughs> you know. But the dude averaged back-to-back seasons. If you exclude, you know, his jet sweep receptions, back-to-back seasons with like 20 yards per reception. So just really incredible. Atwell, did you threat. say... Ch- Chaterius or Tutu. He goes by Tutu, but his real name is Chaterius Atwell. Can
1: we say Tutu? Because there are too many names in this class that I just murder and I hate <laughs> myself for it it's my fault. It's not, no, it's, it's all good. Very yeah, like, normal Tutu. name. I just suck at him. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I'm, I am don't know what to make of Atwell. Sorry. I did, no. I know you were breezing past him. No. But, like, his production is great, even it if is. it's from the ACC Atlantic. Like, And then, just because I was curious, because some of his – numbers just looked weird and he doesn't have a large receiving role or anywhere but it looked like this big damn field for it but that didn't add up either so i did the the cardinal sin of watching a highlight reel i just wanted in the (laughs) middle of the night without being a dm anyone i was like what's going on with this guy because he doesn't have a lot of hype either and this production's decent but this is weird and like all i saw like if you're making highlight clips out there just an fyi youtubers like don't include jet sweeps because I've yeah. never been more horrified. It was just jet sweep after jet sweep after yeah. jet sweep. I was like, what the hell is going on? Is this yeah, all Yeah, but what's funny doing?
0: is it's actually, the, the, those plays actually only, they accounted for less than 20% of his technical receptions. Oh, really? Yeah. Like if you dig it into it and you actually chart it out, less than 20%. Like in, in, oh, wow. in his 2019 season, he had, I think it was around 1200 or it was, I think it was over 1200 receiving yards, uh, but he's still outside of those jet sweep receptions had over 1000 receiving yards. And on those receptions uh, averaged over 20 yards per reception. So like he was an incredibly efficient player, but people love those. I mean, I, I guess people are just addicted to the yak and like the Oh, look at this play. Like it's in motion and it's Tyree kill. Cause they, he's in motion and it's a jet sweep and it looks creative. And so, I don't know what it is, <laughs> you know, and so I, it is funny because yeah. I've heard people say all he does is jet sweeps, and it's because they watched they've all watched the same five minute highlight reel where it looks like that's all he does, and that's just not the case. So he he oh, does that's good
1: to know because I was scared. Like I think yeah. he, I, what I wrote down is this is going to be a really interesting player to watch because he's definitely got a skill set of some sort. Like the the team basically tries to revolve their offense, as far as I can tell, around whatever the hell he was doing. And, uh, like I say, his numbers look good. And I know nothing about him. And then I watched mm-hmm. that highlight clip, which you should never do, by the way. Even if you like tape, just <laughs> never watch them. It's just like, What's going
0: on? <laughs> 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 no, for <laughs> real, because you'll get some kind of uh, false idea uh, of what a player is. Because, I mean, he had, like, I think he had almost 80 receptions uh, in that season. And you'd think, oh, man, I just watched him do, like, uh, at least 50,000 on that highlight yeah. reel. <laughs> at, least, <laughs> at least. Right? at least 50,000. <laughs> <It's been laughs> and weird. and it's and it's funny cuz like, you know, 1270 something yards and only 260 came on jet sweeps. And and you know, and he was incredibly efficient outside of it. So, yes, he he did a lot of that in 2019. Uh the offense struggled as a whole this last year. Malik Cunningham threw more picks, uh quite a few more picks, but yeah, he's a player I'm definitely in- intrigued by because he's probably going to be in the 43s. Uh, and that's probably going to lend him some uh, some hands when it comes to draft capital. And uh, so I, I think if he gets in the back end of day two, despite being really scrawny, uh, I think he could be a really solid, deep threat. Maybe he's more of a role player and maybe he's more of a, be- a best ball play for fantasy football purposes. But I don't care. I, I, I really do like what I see from Tutu Atwell.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. I, I, you convinced me. I'm getting on a team Louisville player because you know Louisville. We claim Louisville as part of Kentucky whenever we need to, and uh, you know, Devontae yeah. Parker finally did something. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. got to get proud. So,
1: yeah, I don't think he's as good a prospect as Parker, and and that took four years to do anything. So take that for what it's worth. So maybe but it's he's four definitely years from now. the most interesting player since. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah. Travis May says he's good. Yeah. I'm writing it down.
0: <laughs> I, I I I hear that Lamar Jackson guy is good too. But uh, uh Yeah, he's pretty good. I I think pretty he's okay. But uh but yeah, after after Louisville, I he,
1: swear, don't you think there's an edge in fantasy just remembering who's good? Like I Michael think so. Thomas is dropping you know what, so far right now. Just remember that my, they don't stop being good.
0: Yes. <laughs> that's my that that's my good players only. And uh, you know yeah. that's that's yeah that's that's a good rule to follow, but and then shortly after that, just rounded out here, we've got Ohio State all the way up. You know, from March 30th same day as Louisville. March 31st we've got Florida, so we can uh, you know have everyone ooh and ah over Kadarius Tony doing some useless spin move in a route for no reason. <laughs> and then March uh, 31st uh, same day LSU uh, so that you can hate on Terrace Marshall. And then on April 1st uh, we get to see uh, Chuba Chuba Hubbard. Uh, run his borderline Canadian uh, Olympic team ki- type speed. Uh, hopefully, uh, he, he fixes a little bit. People, um, it, it, the perception of him is it's just dropped way off.
1: It really has. And I just want to throw my two cents in there. Like, it's crazy. Like, I think he's a very decent player. And, like yeah. I say, he's going kind to of run incredibly fast. You yeah. know, teams, it's it's weird. It's just like last year we were excited, and now he's coming out, and everyone's like, nah, Nah. Bored
0: of that now, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm still a believer in him and Tylen Wallace, guys. That I uh, think uh, most most are not talking about, but I think they could be af- after their April one pro day. But I think you you it. up Wallace best. again. Good name, yeah. Tylen Wallace, night. just I, I mean, constantly in the the conversation for best wide receiver in the country when he's fully healthy. So uh, definitely intrigued by. All those players, but there's so much more rookie stuff to talk about. And we will get to it on the College Canton podcast down the stretch here. And actually uh up here soon, just before we wrap things up here, I am going to be putting together a pro day piece uh for Rotoviz here soon that uh, will outline the upcoming pro days, when they are, play interesting players that should do what on their pro days, and then updating that doc. Uh, throughout the coming weeks as these pro days happen because we normally have you know like the NFL combine and we can have like one reaction piece to all this information but it will be updated as we go throughout from the Kansas pro day to the Clemson one all the way through into April with some of these later pro days and and interesting notes uh, that get added so be looking for that on RotoViz from myself here we'll probably try to loop it back around to the front page again when there are significant pro day updates so be looking for that soon here too. Uh, But uh, remind listeners before we just sign off here where they can find you and where they can find all your content.
1: Oh, we're not going to talk about or a right, fine. I'll go fine, Travis. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can find me on Twitter in them Twitter streets all day, every day. Basically, I've <laughs> I've got to I've got to get a life. But uh, no, uh, at PA Howdy is the easiest place to find me. Uh, the link to that database, um, which you know is nothing compared to the Road stats, but I'm trying my best, and I have got it linked up to NFL stats through Road actually. So, cheers, Travis. Appreciate that. Yeah, man. Um, it's literally pinned to my Twitter timeline, and just click click clickety click click through and it's free if you want to just go look at some rookie stats yeah and yeah dynasty league football wh- where
0: the loyal people stay
1: <laughs> never gonna let the,
0: uh never gonna let me go uh but uh, I'll just just come back now and do some kind of featured pieces so you can leave leave me alone or or something. But
1: that's really the only reason I'm here. I'm like, I'll bring it back guys. Don't (laughs) worry. I'll just keep making fun of it.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, I really enjoy you uh, hopping in, uh, just talking about some, uh, some combine and well. I see it there I did it too but pro day results <laughs> upcoming and uh, how much we should or should not care about it and uh, also some other fun metrics and and uh, just rookie talk in general it's always always a blast but listeners please do leave a rate and review leave a question in the review I'd be glad to get to get it on the show you can find me on twitter at ff underscore travis m but until next time you guys take care but I look forward to seeing you guys next time on another college to get podcast <laughs>